Okay, we're uh, we're back at it. Many guys who aren't from Oklahoma, Bernie, you have no idea. We don't like them. It's personal. We got a logo too. We've been working on one for 18 years, and, and we want everybody in the country to know, with all due respect, we got a logo too. We are back at it. I'm Carson Cunningham. This is an emergency edition of the Pistols Firing podcast. Obviously. The A.J. Ferrari car accident is a, is a huge story, so I wanted to get a podcast out on that. And there's no one better to talk to than Seth Duckworth, covers wrestling for pistols firing and, and a myriad of other websites. We were just talking before we hit record about everything you're involved with, Seth. Just uh, I know you're involved with wrestling on pistols firing, but you, that, that's not where it stops, does it? <laughs> no. Um, yeah, so uh, about a year and a half ago, so of course – how I kind of broke into wrestling media was, or I don't know, sports media, whatever, is through pistols firing. Um, I don't know, what was it, four and a half years ago, I think, something like that, when when Kyle first hired me on. But um, I started doing that with pistols firing, and about a year and a half ago, uh, an opportunity came up with owrestle.com, and what basically they're tr- they were trying to start is, is expanding coverage of high school wrestling in Oklahoma. And um, sort of, uh, uh, so I, I talked to the guy, I met with him, and I uh, got involved with that. It's uh, it's been a fun project. It's a lot of like high school coverage. Some of the other coverage colleges across state, even OU a little bit, um, UCO of course. UCO probably going to go win a national title this year, by the way. Um, and and a lot of other things there. Um, I, I've loved it. Uh, my you know my wrestling background for people that you know, don't know who I am or whatever. I was a pretty good wrestler in high school, but not, not any kind of superstar and just, uh, you know, kind of fell and continue to enjoy the sport and become kind of a fanboy, I guess, so to speak, as I, as I got older and it's, uh, and I've parlayed that into to all these different websites I work for. Um, and so of course, uh, O wrestles takes the lion's share of my, my workload right now and I have a lot of great stuff on that site and it's, they have a rock from page for anybody that's interested in that. Um, and then, um, I have, uh, wrestling Texas. I help out a little bit with them. Like, like Carson, you and I were talking, um, my day job, I'm in the army. So, uh, and I was actually mobilized in Texas last year. So I, I it's the same owner owns both those websites. So I kind of helped him out and did some stuff down there. And then for Intermat, I cover big 12 wrestling and that's kind of a myriad, the entire big 12, all the, all of the uh, wrestling programs in the big 12 and weekly recaps of stuff uh, going on there for them. So spread pretty thin. I'm all over the place, but, but I really enjoy wrestling and love covering it and uh, love what I've been able to do all the way back to starting out with pistols firing five years ago so yeah i mean i thought i was busy and then you listed all the all the stuff you're doing in addition to your two-year-old so you're a you're a busy man and i think you've made a a, a great name for yourself covering the sport of wrestling you've become in my opinion one of the preeminent people to follow in the sport so you're, you're doing a great job and i'm appreciative of you giving me some of your time uh today real quick where did you go to high school where did you wrestle out in high school so and, and that'll tie into as we go into the Ferrari stuff. But I grew up in Cushing, um, which is about oh, thirty wow. minutes from uh, Stillwater. And actually, it, like I said, we'll get a little bit more into it. But Ferrari yesterday was coming home from uh, an appearance at a high school or at a at a youth practice there, 
Um, and uh, so I kind of to talk wow. to some of my friends and stuff that still live in town there. And, um, and you know, they told me he was there and sent me some pictures of the, him uh, flexing with their kids and all this stuff he was doing. And then, you know, had no idea that the wreck had happened and then learned a little bit about that later. But uh, yeah, I grew up in coaching. I graduated in 2005. I know you and I, Carson, are kind of close to the same age, but um, we, uh, I don't know, it's, it's kind of a smaller school and everything, but they have a really good program down there. Um, and my same high school coach has now returned to coaching there. And I don't know, at the time we were kind of one of the top ones in the state, but uh, so it was really kind of fun experience. And I think it's, for me, I guess with wrestling stuff, it's, I've always leaned back on what I've learned. I learned from the sport growing up. And I think that's why I try to contribute and give back to it, so to speak, because it, it's, it's kind of helped me in life, I guess I feel like, and, and I pull back and look at some of the lessons I learned growing up in it and everything. And then I've applied them to in my career, my job, my, marriage my kid everything else and and so that's why I, I guess i dive so much into all the wrestling coverage stuff so yeah i mean i think wrestling more than probably about any sport prepares you for life just in terms of adversity and, and pushing through a lot of things most of it physical pain in wrestling but we all know it's a mental game too and i'm not a layman i've i've followed wrestling most of my life my two of my best friends wrestled at evan memorial with johnny Hendricks. and he was on our, our wrestling team in my high school at evan memorial so from there i i went to all the duels in college when oklahoma state was winning you know four national titles in a row so i i follow the sport not from afar but i, I know it better than just your average joe and i think it's important for someone like you who covers the sport because it's important that you wrestle because most wrestlers can tell if a media guy hadn't wrestled before based on the, the verbiage and the terminology and all of those things. So you do an amazing job and I guess let's get into it. Um, you mentioned that AJ Ferrari was at a, a, a deal at Cushing high school, a, a wrestling camp or a practice, something of that along those lines. And he got in a car accident on uh, highway 33. I think a lot of people who went to school in Stillwater are familiar with that highway kind of runs through Langston. If you want to skip, you know, the highway 51 traffic for game days. I, I go on that highway a lot and it is kind of one of those, those highways where if you get stuck behind a, a slow driver, you're tempted to, to go around. And apparently Ferrari about eight o'clock at night last night attempted to pass three vehicles while cresting on a hill. It was a no passing zone and collided with another driver named Belinda McKee, who's 56 from Ripley, Oklahoma and Seth and, as the details came out, I mean, it's, it's more and more apparent that he's lucky to be alive and let alone without, you know, serious life-threatening injuries. It's just, it's, it's pretty amazing when you get the details of this, this car accident. Yeah, it's, it's, it's wild. I, um, you know, I, I'm like I said, I'm from Cushing and, and so I've driven that route a million times. Like still today, I live in Stillwater and uh, my parents and stuff are still in Cushing. So I go home to visit and I, I take that road some of the time. There's kind of two ways that you can go from, from my place to get there. You go 51 to 18 or 33 to, um, uh, to the same route, basically Ferrari was coming back on. And it's like you said, it's that really tight two lane, you know, there's, there's a little bit of a, a four space where there's a four lane and then it closes back up to a, a two lane. And I, I, I don't know exactly where it happened. You know, I haven't looked at like a map or anything like that, but the, the safe assumption is probably it was on the two lane portion. And like you said, you get behind 
I don't know, it, it, at eight o'clock at night, it wouldn't be this, but you can buy tractors out there some of the time because it's a very rural area and you just have to drive really slow and just kind of wait for them because there's hills and whatever else. And it sounds like Fry didn't do that and attempted to pass, you know, too many cars at once and uh, hit somebody head on. And, and the, you know, as, as information was coming in, my, my sort of timeline last night, and of course, I, I know, uh, Carson, you've kind of probably experienced things like this, but when something crazy in sports or whatever you cover happens, you get messages and texts and calls and uh, I don't know, whatever else, trying to give you different information about it. Um, kind of the first thing I had got is, again, originally being from Cushing, I, I had some friends that were at the – it was just a youth practice, and, and I don't know – you know, if it was like a paid appearance or what, I don't know what it, exactly he was doing, but he kind of came over and he just talked to the kids and did sort of a brief uh, thing with them um, where he just kind of sat down and talked about, uh, you know, his wrestling and stuff is what the way it was described to me. It wasn't really like a technique camp or something like that. He just kind of briefly met with them um, and, you know, flexed with the kids, did all the stuff that you see him kind of do. And uh, I, I was getting texts from friends saying, hey, like, check this out. Ferrari came to Cushing and, you know, the, like some of the I, I tweeted out a picture, but but like one of my friend's kids was in the picture with Ferrari and they they were all excited about that. And and later is when I heard about the accident and what was going on there. Um, and, and apparently he was, of course, coming home. And like you said, he thank God he's alive. Thank God that uh, his friend that was with him, the the track runner guy is okay and thank god the other person my understanding of the person that uh that uh he hit it, it was walked away without a scratch they they didn't seek any sort of medical attention and were were in good shape so uh i mean thank god that that played out the way it did and, and nobody i mean as much as by you know your immediate concern or thought or whatever in the sports world is about the kid that was involved in the accident it's obviously a, a major concern of anybody that he's that could have been hurt by it and, and obviously it sounds like he wasn't making exactly the best decision uh when trying to pass three cars at once and uh you know thank god that lady was fine but um but at one point i, I got a i got a message on social media and that said and it was about from a pretty connected person it wasn't from somebody i didn't think you know, it wasn't anything I was going to run with on a story or anything like that, but it was enough that it was like, okay, this person, I know who they are. I know who, what their connections are and whatever. I don't think they would be making this up or, you know, have bad information, but they had said that they thought they heard that somebody, the, the other driver passed away. And so after hearing that AJ was, you know, life flighted, but not with life threatening injuries and that, um, everything kind of seemed like it maybe wasn't going to be quite as bad as, uh, as it all sounded. I, you know, you was really, really hoping and praying that, that the other driver didn't have any issues and thank God uh, the information that I got there for a little bit was turned out to be wrong. Um, and that, that, that lady was fine. And of course his uh, passenger was fine as well. Yeah. I mean, just, you think of a head on collision on a highway that, that is normally fatal for someone. And the fact that all three were able to walk away, or I guess he was metaflighted, but the fact that all three are okay is just, 
it's a miracle. And I know, I know AJ's uh, dad was posting on social media in the immediate aftermath, I guess, about just needed prayers that the car was just totally mangled, which it clearly was after flipping several times. And you're right, the, the uh, track and field athlete from Oklahoma State, Isaiah Rodriguez, I-S-A-I. I'm not sure how to pronounce his first name. I look, this is triggering for me just as an aside, Seth. They never put pronunciations on rosters anymore. <laughs> and as a media guy, you lose all credibility when you say a guy's name wrong. So apologies to Isaiah Rodriguez, but uh, fortunately he's okay. The other driver's okay. And I don't know about you, Seth, but this, this kind of reminded me of the, the Tiger Woods car accident because you hear he's been in a wreck. You hear it's really bad. And then your mind just is like, how bad is this? And there were some social media updates through the night from his family. And man, it, it, apparently he had some, he was kept in the hospital for, uh, he had fluid in his lungs, according to his father on social media, some bad bruising with some internal bleeding. So they're keeping him there. Uh, that's, that's obviously some serious stuff going on, um, Seth, but man, in the immediate aftermath, I'm sure everyone's mind was wondering if he was going to be okay. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's where my head was. And, and I know like as a media person, you're supposed to search out stories and, and try to find, I, I mean, I, I know for me personally, I, I wasn't about to, I, I've met AJ's dad. I, I have their phone number. I like, you know, have connections there. I wasn't about to reach out to anybody and try to get some definitive thing in the, in the middle of, you know, the possibility of uh, sure, yeah. uh, somebody being seriously hurt and all this. And so I had a lot of people kind of reaching out to me and trying to ask them. And I was, and I was kind of just sitting back and trying to let it, you know, the things come out or whatever and, and find it out myself that way. Cause I wasn't going to, dig into that but that was i'm with you there was there was such a just kind of a, a overreaching I don't, I don't even know what you'd call it the just a an unknowing thing that, that you you and there was no real clear way to go get an answer i guess in my head because i like i said i, I personally wasn't going to directly reach to anybody to uh, that would have that information because it's such a tough thing to even talk about or think about or whatever. Um, and so I just kind of step back and let, let the stuff come out, but thank God he was okay. And, and, and I know, again, it sounds like the accident was clearly his fault. He was passing on the wrong side. He was doing something that was very ill-advised, but there's, I guess, maybe some sol uh, solitude, I guess, in, in the fact that he really just was coming back from, you know, he was a young kid driving, and making a little bit of an irresponsible decision, but he was just coming back from, you know, a kid's practice thing. He wasn't necessarily, uh, you, you talk about the, the Tiger Woods reference. He wasn't necessarily out there, you know, drinking or whatever and different things that, that, that everybody, is, you know, naturally assumes that uh, in, in, in these types of accidents or a worst case scenario, um, it, again, nothing's good about it, but, it, but it's a little bit, better situation i guess i would say to just be driving home and and make a poor decision than uh what could have been and yeah. again thank god nobody's hurt how often is he aj i mean how often has he been going to high schools and, and things of that nature doing public appearances like that um a lot <laughs> so i went so i'm i was at we were talking about it but uh, i was in texas for my job my day job for most of last year and um, I was in El Paso and 
he was down there doing a camp for a couple of days. And I know you, you see constantly on, I don't know, social, if you're, if you're on any kind of social media with him or kind of wrestling social media, I guess, so to speak with me, because like I say, with all this stuff I cover, I follow a lot of the high school coaches I know and different things like that. And you see them, uh, you know, po- constantly posting things of him at their practices and that sort of thing. So uh, it's, it's definitely a really common theme for AJ to get out of these things. And I, I don't know, you know, I, I wouldn't say I know exactly how often he does it every day or, you know, once a week or whatever. Obviously he's training a lot and, and what have you, but uh, uh, I don't know. He, he, he hits a lot of that stuff. And I, and I even got, like I say, I got a bunch of texts from friends and stuff being for pushing about him being there. And, uh, you know, I, and I watched the, the camp he, he coached in El Paso because I went down there and did an interview with him and talked to him a little bit and stuff. And he's great with kids. He really does a good job in, in, in how he runs those camps and how he, he works with all those guys. And, you know, they, they really eat up the whole 665-pound deadlift thing and all those things that go into that. So – um, I think it says but, a lot. It says a lot about him. Seth, sorry to interrupt you. It says a lot about AJ that, you know, he has this NIL deal with WWE, which I want to ask you about a little later. He's got the gold chains. He's got the shades. He's he's got this larger than life persona. But I think it says a lot about him that he's not just, you know, scooping in all this money and just doing his own thing. He it seems like a real passion of his to kind of give back to the the youth and and the youth in the sport. Oh, 100 percent. I and and I again, I guess like. I'm not going to sugarcoat the fact that he, he was driving on the wrong side of the road and you know, putting other people at risk. And it sounds like that was a bad decision from him and everything, but, but he, he truly does all of those things. I, I mean, again, I witnessed it. I've witnessed it firsthand at a couple of different things and how he interacts with kids at tournaments and different stuff like that. Um, but I really, he has this, image i guess that he's created with social media and with his interviews at the ncaa tournament and and the way he sort of does things but his the way he does the way aj is aj with these kids is a night and day thing that i think a lot of people would expect he's respectful with them he's you know they they usually gravitate to him obviously he's kind of a superstar in the sport and everything and everybody knows who he is but he really has this, uh, this I don't know, lighthearted, well-spoken thing about him when he when he presents these camps and when he talks to these kids and all this other stuff. And, and I, I don't know, I, I've always been really impressed by how he handles himself when he goes and does those things. Because again, I've witnessed a few of them, and I get texts and calls and whatever, and and talk to coaches and stuff around the state, and they all say the same thing that they really love having him out and all the things that he does. So. Yeah, he seems great in, in that setting. And one of the, probably the craziest part of this story is that Casey Dunn, the offensive coordinator for Oklahoma State football, just happened to be one of the cars that, that AJ was attempting to pass. And the reports say that Casey Dunn was pulling, that pulled AJ from the burning vehicle. And just <laughs> the odds of that being on that highway at that time and being Casey Dunn is just, is wild. But it sounds like Casey Dunn was quick to act to, to help save AJ from, from further injury. Yeah. I, I mean, talk about like the character of a person to, you know, I, I, I'm pretty sure, I don't know a ton about Dunn. Like, like I say, I'm, I'm a wrestling guy. And with all the wrestling stuff I do, I can't 
dive into football like <laughs> maybe some of the time would like to or whatever. But I know Dunn's like a family man. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I have a two-year-old. I, I know there's risks I think you take when you're younger and, and you kind of have this fearless thing that, that when maybe you don't have a family that relies on you and different things like that, you're not afraid to go jump in a birding car and pull somebody out he's all those like he's an older guy he's got all these concerns to get run through his head in that immediate happening of this thing going down and he did it and I, I mean I and, and I don't know you know the smoke really hasn't cleared on how all this went down so to speak and, and I don't know exactly sure, yeah you know how on fire the car was or whatever the exactly that he did in this process you know it may have been 10 people that jumped in and, and he just happened to be one or whatever but it, it sounds like you know, he kind of saved his life possibly because the car was catching on fire and about to, you know, I don't know. Everything I've heard is the car was just completely gone when it was all said and done. So um, I don't know. He, he possibly saved the kid's life and that's just unbelievable. Um, and like you said, the craziest happenstance of him just happening to be there in, in that scenario and doing all of that. Yeah, I mean, Polk's report were the first to report that Casey Dunn was on the scene, and ESPN has now confirmed that that Dunn witnessed the crash and was able to pull Ferrari to safety after the SUV caught on fire. Uh, he was unable to open the driver's door to get Ferrari out, but he was able to pull Ferrari out of a window after the glass had shattered in the crash. Just remarkable, a remarkable feat there from from Casey Dunn to act so quickly, and and gosh, just the odds of that um, is, is just is, is wild. But I do, I do think it's important and, and hopefully AJ makes a full recovery and thank God everyone's, everyone's safe and, and alive after such a horrific accident. But I, I do think it's important, you know, all those things being said a bit, of course, the, the sport of wrestling in Oklahoma State Wrestling takes a backseat to his health. We all know those things. I, I do think it's important for people that may be listening that are just interested in this news item being such a big story and may not know everything about AJ besides the fact he's an individual national champion as a true freshman. You, know, you cover the sport. You are very involved with it. How good is AJ Ferrari in terms of the sport historically? I mean, we don't see too many true freshmen, Seth, win an individual national championship. I mean, his trajectory, you know, hopefully he makes a speedy recovery, but just before this accident, just kind of put in perspective for the listener, just, where this guy's career is heading um you know barring how he recovers from this he was poised to in my, like i tweeted something the other day that was so penn state wrestled michigan on uh friday and i believe it was friday and of course penn state's got the number two guy in the country in his weight class and it's kind of a long story but he was a transfer and uh, him and Ferrari have never wrestled because he uh, was previously at Cornell. And when the Ivy League shut down uh, during the sh shutdown sports last year, uh, he wasn't able, they weren't able to wrestle each other at the uh, last year. Um, so, uh, but he was kind of the only guy that people were giving any sort of a, a shot against Ferrari. And then he kind of lost to somebody that, he he was upset by a guy that, that you really wouldn't have expected. And so 
it was kind of a thing where everybody's like, okay, Ferrari, nobody's touching Ferrari this year, in my opinion. And, you know, I cover the sport and obviously I'm a little closer to Oakland State than uh, most of the programs, but I didn't see anybody beating him this year. Last year, he took one loss. That that kid uh, has since graduated. But even with taking that one loss, he kind of turned around and went on a tear for the rest of the season uh, before he won the national title. Uh, did it as a true freshman because of the whole COVID year situation. He has the opportunity to be, if he does recover and continue wrestling this year, I don't know how that's going to play out or whatever, uh, but he would have the opportunity to be a, the first ever five-time national champion. Um, there's, I think there's been something like four true freshman national champions. Um He's one of them. <laughs> and, and the crazy thing in all that is in wrestling, traditionally you see maybe kind of the middleweights or the, the smaller guys that have that thing where they can come right into wrestling and be the top guy. But at the biggest, at the higher weights, even Gable Stevenson just won a gold medal at the Olympics, but he, he didn't win a national title as a freshman. And um, so it's it kind of takes this like, physical maturity I think at the upper weights to, to before these guys are ready to compete at the elite level and win national titles and everything else I mean you look at like Chris Perry was not as big as Ferrari but he was a, a little bit higher weight um you know he didn't have as much success when he was young it took him kind of a couple of years till he got into his groove and stuff uh, but he's just so physically dominant I mean uh again he has all the showy stuff that he does but he puts in the work like he's a weight room machine like he, i don't know he, i know you see like people that follow him on social media and keep up with it he really does like earn those 665 and i think he deadlifts more than that now that 665 pound deadlift he lifts like crazy he puts in all the work in the world but as far as the landscape of wrestling he, he has he won as a true freshman at an upper weight which is almost unheard of he beat a guy that uh in the quarter or in the semifinals on his way to his national title last year that won an Olympic medal this summer. Um, and really just, I don't know, just amazing what he's been able to do. Uh, it's at such a young age at that weight class. And if it continues, and I mean, again, if he recovers and everything, the way he wrestled this, uh, this, this year to this point was, I mean, I don't think anybody was touching him. I think he was going to comfortably win another national title and, you know, who knows where it went from there, but, and it'll all kind of remain to be seen uh, how hurt he is and, and, and what's going to hurt from there. So. Yeah, we don't want to speculate on his status. We'll have to wait and see on that. But just I, I do think he put in a great perspective. And and also with the, the COVID rule now, can't he become the first five-time NCAA champ if he chooses to, to use all of his eligibility? Correct. Yeah, as long as, you know, I, I would if this takes him out for the year, I don't know if he'd be able to get sure, a yeah. medical red shirt and all that stuff. Um, so that would throw it off, but, but, and, and again, if you read his dad's final Facebook post, nothing was broke. He had a little bit of internal bleeding and fluid on his lungs, which none of those things are good, but you know, I, I don't know. I, there's maybe there's a possibility. I, I don't know enough about injuries and speculating on all that, but maybe there's a possibility he's back. I don't really know. Yeah, um, time will tell on that for sure. But, uh, but anyway, so, yeah, he would. Uh, he definitely has a shot at that uh, if he does wrestle this year and, like I say, whatever the redshirt situation plays out. Uh, but, uh, but, yeah, he, he's got the opportunity to be the first five-time ever. And 
the, the interesting thing I would be is, is the thing that saved him, I think that, so to speak, saved him in, in the, the, from the standpoint of doing that is this NIL stuff, because he's such a personality, he's such a talent. He can go WWE, he can go UFC and, and a couple of years make a lot of money. Well, right now he can start his NIL stuff and still get paid. So that that's, Gable Stevenson is is a heavyweight, and he just won an Olympic gold medal, and he's kind of the exact same, or not exact same story, but a similar story where you know he could go make. Uh, he he signed a, a WWE NIL deal and all that stuff, um, and and so, but he came back and he's able to kind of wrestle while also pursuing that. So uh, I think that helps Ferrari a lot too, because he can still make a little bit of cash and continue to wrestle and and everything else so yeah that's great it gives him more incentive to to you know continue to wrestle in college which is you know the sport needs stars and he he certainly is is one of them you know he wrestles at 197 do you ever foresee aj moving up to heavyweight if he gets too big or do you think he'll he'll stick at 197 so he's his dad is a, a really big guy i don't know if anybody you see his dad his yes dad he is <laughs> he's got that larger than life personality just same as uh as aj but uh but aj is a little bit shorter than him and not i don't know like he's got kind of a, a long frame and stuff but he's he's not really i bet he's five eleven, six foot you know he's not like a tall uh guy that if he I'm sure, you know, he's so into nutrition and all that stuff. If he wanted to really bulk up and go to heavyweight, he could. And maybe that's something that he'll pursue later because it could help him uh, kind of build into uh, the WWE stuff and all and whatever else he's doing. But uh, to me, it kind of makes sense for him to just kind of hang out at 197 for at least a couple of years because he's not – really a guy that's cutting a lot of weight or anything like that. Um, 197 is the right weight for him. Uh, so he, he could be a heavyweight, but if he did, he'd have to like go crazy trying to bulk up and get bigger and, uh, and really grow into that size. So maybe, but I don't, maybe personally, I think he'll be at least 197 for a few more years. Yeah. He's so lean. That, that seems like the perfect weight for him. Um, you did mention, you know, Ferrari signed one of those NIL WWE, uh, deals himself what all does that in what all does that entail and, and do you think he'll go wwe over ufc or pull a brock lesnar and do both <laughs> maybe he goes the lesnar route i don't know i mean so the reality is i know you're you, you follow carson you and i talk ufc stuff quite a bit so i know you follow it pretty closely and everything there's so, there's a lot of unique things and I'm a WWE fan myself. I always love the stuff, but, um, but uh, the money in the high end money on like Lesnar makes way more in the WWE than he ever made in the UFC. And that's why, you know, there's, there's really no incentive in him fighting anymore or whatever, because Dana White's not going to pay him as much as Vince McMahon is. And it's, so to me, like he could probably really go either route, but, it would be more of a question of, of what's going to pay him more. Um, I, I like if he's starting to train and fight and it's not going very well, maybe WWE's the answer. If he can't, I don't know. We'd all know he can cut a promo like they do in WWE, 
Um, so I don't think he'll have any issues there. But if he, if for whatever reason things aren't clicking in the WWE, um, like he's not getting over and people don't like him or whatever, then maybe that's not the route. But I, to me, it would just be a money thing, and he would kind of decide which one's best. As far as like the way the the NIL deals with uh, uh, with the WWE work, though, it's basically he has opportunities. Like if he wants to make a, a if they want if WWE wants to make a, a an action figure of AJ Ferrari to kind of build him up as a, you know, future prospect. And he can make money on off that. He can train at their gyms and that sort of thing. That's another big piece of it. Like if he ever wants to go two weeks and, and work out down at wherever their WWE training facility thing is, he can go do that. Um, like Steve Gable Stevenson, he's more settled in on a definitive, like he's going to be a WWE guy. Um, he's already kind of got some of that stuff in motion and they, they sell his t-shirts and different stuff like that. So uh, I don't know every in and out of how that, the, the money side of it works with the WWE deal, but they help promote them. They help, uh, you know, and then they give them access to different licensing deals where like if Ferrari wanted to again, sell t-shirts or something like that with his face on it, they could kind of set all that up. So. Yeah, that's really cool and just genius by WWE to get him locked up. That's a no-brainer. He already cuts the promos, which you mentioned. Doesn't even need a stage name. He can go by AJ Ferrari. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's already the coolest name ever. And it, it also kind of already would go with, like, kind of the Italian-American gimmick I think they might go with with him. But I, I kind of said the same thing as you on previous podcasts, that I thought he would go WWE because there's there's more money, like you mentioned, the – there's a lot of controversy right now with the UFC and, and paying fighters. And I just kind of wonder, you know, he's a competitor. And I, I wonder if he'll want to still compete for like an Olympic gold or essentially if he goes to WWE. And if, if that doesn't happen, if he goes to WWE, I wonder if those competitive juices start to flow where he might want to go test his hand at the UFC. Because I know he's pretty good friends with uh, Jorge Masvidal, who's one of the biggest names in, in the UFC as well. Yeah, and, and I lean towards, like, to me, I, I can't remember. I, I asked him about it in one interview we did and I, and I can't, I'd have to pull back and remember, but it, it, it sounded more the way I kind of remember it in my head. And, and I, again, I'd have to look back up what he said to me and stuff, but um, that it was more, it was probably going to be more of a start with the UFC and train that side. And then maybe, or at least MMA um, and then pull back to, WWE later um but that wasn't you know set in stone and things constantly change and whatever else yeah. but uh I, so I don't know we'll see how it plays but but that that's the way he kind of I remember him framing it to me was he was leaning more towards UFC and I think the I think some of the stuff that we've seen catch all the attention with like the NCAA tournament and like you said him essentially cutting promos I, I think almost unintentionally. I think it was just him kind of being him, and, and uh, you know, everybody's like eating it up or whatever. Uh, I think since that's caught fire, the WWE thing has flared up a lot more. So maybe he's leaning more that direction now than he was before. But originally, the way I remember it is, he kind of told me he'd probably go uh, UFC first, and then you know, kind of move from there on uh, what to do after that. So. He'll have plenty of options. There's no, there's no doubt. And again, hopefully he's okay. I just kind of wanted to get into his, his trajectory and his career. And, you know, hopefully he, he pulls through with this, this latest car accident. I did want to ask you about John Smith, you know, from, from afar, you know, watching him coach, obviously 
it seems like he does a, a great job in a sport where traditionally guys don't draw a lot of attention to themselves. Um, it seems like he does a great job letting personalities be who they are. I, I think back to to Johnny Hendricks being like the most hated guy in the arena besides the the orange section of the stands the, for the national championship, getting booed and and really kind of eating it up. And there there was a time I think last year when AJ was pretending to throw his head his headgear and Smith just kind of let him do his thing and grabbed grabbed. <laughs> Ferrari's bag and stuff for him and just walked over to the corner with him. And it, it seems like to me from, from afar, Seth, that, that John really does a good job of not trying to rein guys in and just kind of let them be who they are. Is that, is that how you see it? Yeah, I, I think that's, that's a pretty accurate description. Um, John, to some extent, I think would, doesn't love everything he sees there, but the, <laughs> the view what I what I've kind of seen from him, and I you know I don't know it's 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 a little bit of a mixed bag, but it, it feels like he has he wants AJ to be AJ in his own and and going back to Johnny and Johnny be Johnny and you know people be who they are and because I, I think there's a there's a comfort level as an athlete of you know if you take yourself too much out of who you are it becomes harder to just kind of be. Uh, successful in what you're doing because you're too busy trying to fit whatever mold people are trying to put you in. And I don't think John wants to see people go that direction and, and fall into that and get uncomfortable. You know, there, there's some, some, some level of, you know, you got to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And John wants that when it comes to actual competing and, and how he trains them and different things. But I don't think he wants them as far as personality wise and like, socially and emotionally and, and everything else, he, he doesn't want to do that. And so he wants AJ to be able to be AJ within the realm of respecting his opponents and also do not doing things that are legitimately harmful. Like, I don't know, you know, if you're, <laughs> not that this would be a thing, but if, if, if your stick is to like smoke cigarettes and that that's the thing you enjoy and that's whatever, that's obviously harmful for you and not going to help you in your wrestling thing. So I think John would put like the reins around that and pull that back and be like, all right, man, you can't smoke cigarettes. That's not okay. But if your stick is to flex and dance around and do whatever else, he's not going to stop that. And he's not going to really put some big lasso around AJ and keep him from doing things like that because that's who AJ is and that's who AJ wants to be. And, and that's, and it's not a, hurtful is not a bad thing but I think then you talk about you know what happened last night and uh the wreck and, and different things like that and, and but things that go in that direction that could be harmful and legitimately harm him it, John's going to want to rein some of those in and you know obviously naturally this is probably going to rain something there in uh with Ferrari just because it's it's such a traumatic experience and everything uh but but I, I think it's more of a thing where he just tries to tries to kind of control what he, he legitimately thinks is going to hurt and, and make and stop the wrestlers and make them worse wrestlers or worse people for that matter. What he doesn't want to rein in is just them being their own personality and, and kind of taking on whatever that is, because I don't think he sees that as something that he should be doing. He wants to let them be who they are. And, and, and I think that's how he's kind of approached that with, with AJ. Yeah, and he, he may rein it in if, if he talked a lot of talk and didn't walk the walk. But as we all know, AJ backs up 
everything he says because he's as you mentioned he's he's virtually unbeatable at his, his weight class as it stands you know prior to the prior to the accident and of course all this is happening seth with a, a huge upcoming event in dallas on february 12th it's the the bout at the ballpark oklahoma state against iowa also the united states against iran kind of a double header which i guess dayton fix is going to wrestle for the united states and oklahoma state as well so we we, obviously, we don't know the status of AJ if he'll be able to wrestle in that, but that's a that's a huge event coming up for, for Oklahoma State wrestling, Seth. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, and it's it kind of if you went into the season, um, Iowa's a pretty heavy favorite. They were the national champions last year. Um, They're pretty heavy favorites to win it again this year. And you have oh. I guess you'd call it a young team with Oklahoma State. There's a lot of talent on Oklahoma State's roster. They do have a couple older guys, but, I mean, you're starting, including Ferrari, there are three – there are four freshman starters uh, out of your 10-person lineup. Um, so, so it was kind of – you you would have on paper gave Iowa a pretty big edge going into the season. Iowa's 125 is uh, was a national champion last year. Um, really, really tough kid. Like you know, OSU, you know, wouldn't be winning that match with him in the lineup. Well, he's out for the season with uh, he, it's kind of a long story, but he, he put up, <coughs> excuse me, he put off an ACL surgery, and uh, and and I guess that he was just kind of trying to kind of wrestle with it, uh, and then get the surgery after the season. Um, but they've it, it hit a wall where whatever plan they came up with there didn't work out. So he anyway, he's done for the year, um, which kind of gives OSU an edge at, at that first weight. You've got 133 probably gives uh, Dane Fix, like you said, pulling the double duty wrestling against Iran too. Um, he'll have a slight edge there. Uh, 141, probably Iowa's going to be favored. Uh, 149, I, I actually would have said earlier in the season that you, you give Iowa a really heavy favor there, but OSU's looked a lot better than a lot of people expected, so that'll be a good match. Uh, 157's going to be a good match. Um, 165 probably favors Iowa a little bit, but it could be a good match. Um, 174 uh, favors Iowa, but they've got a guy that's been kind of banged up, so uh, that one I think would be a little bit more interesting than – Maybe we all expect 184 is going to favor Iowa. 197 would favor OSU with AJ Ferrari, um, but you know that that'll remain to be seen what happens there. And then heavyweight would favor Iowa, but uh, should be a great event for wrestling and you know how they present it uh, in Dallas and everything. And I know hopefully they get a good crowd there. And uh, everybody's up and excited about it, but it's a uh, it should be a good duel. Again, they at the beginning of the season with with Spencer Lee, which is Iowa's one twenty five. I wouldn't have gave OSU much of a shot, but with him out, it, it's uh, it's suddenly a really competitive duel, and I really think uh, it could go either way. And uh, you know, depending on Ferrari's situation, but uh, should be cool regardless. Kind of should be a pretty cool event, and we'll see how it all goes there. Yeah, it's a it's an awesome event for the sport, no doubt. That'll be a, a big deal. Is it is it televised at all, or is it just you got to be there to see it? It's on Flow Wrestling. So. Okay, yeah, Flow Wrestling, yeah. which I know can be hit or miss sometimes, based on <laughs> yeah. tw the Twitter sphere tells me that anyway. I don't I don't really know for sure, but Seth, I think you know Oklahoma State wrestling, you know we're, we're spoiled. 
I mean, all the national championships, all the individual national champions. It's been a long time, though, for Oklahoma State since they've won a team national championship. Obviously, the Big Ten's kind of taken a hold, especially Penn State with Cale Sanderson. I'm looking at the rankings right now, Michigan and Iowa are ahead of Oklahoma State, who sits in fourth. What is What has changed in the sport? Maybe it's not just Penn State related, but what has changed that's kind of disrupted Oklahoma State's dominance? And again, I'm not expecting them to win four in a row like they did when I was in college, but what do you think has changed so much to where it's been so long for Oklahoma State to win a national title? Because this used to be a, a rite of passage. For Come wrestling season, Oklahoma State was going to win it or they were going to be right there, and they haven't really had, had a chance to win it in a while. Yeah, um, last year, really, most of the season was a little bit down, but then they had a, a, a an amazing NCAA tournament and really wrestled over their heads a little bit and finished third. Um, this year, again, coming into the season, I was a heavy favorite, uh, but – OSU's got there's a there's a mix there's <laughs> I could probably talk an hour and a half about what you're talking about and I get this <laughs> ass a lot I guess but in, in recent years in the past since Kale Sanderson's dominance took over wrestling nationally um, OSU has not recruited well in that time period and just the same as when you talk about football and you know Alabama's guys they have all these stars on their helmets and that's why like they are in the national title game every year and they're really good OSU kind of had some some down years where they just I I honestly think this is my personal take this is not anything I've directly ever discussed with anybody or what I mean maybe on podcasts and stuff but I, I don't I've never had this conversation with John Smith or anything like that. Um, but in the era you're talking about where you were in college and Oklahoma State won four straight national titles, there were a lot of key figures to that happening. Johnny Hendricks, of course, you talked about earlier, was one of them. Um, Johnny Thompson was one of them, and Chris Pendleton was one of them. And, of course, Steve Mako, Jared Russell, all those things. But two guys, uh, again, I say Johnny – Thompson and Chris Pendleton for a reason. Nobody out of high school really, you know, back then they didn't quite have the the recruiting coverage that the, the sport has nowadays with um, the way all the wrestling sites have popped up and, and how that whole thing has kind of came together. But nobody in the world thought Johnny Thompson was going to be a two-time national champion. He, he pinned people with a snake. A snake is like something that uh, everybody says like this stuff doesn't work past the fourth grade. We shouldn't even teach you a snake. He was pinning people in college with a snake. Uh, Chris Pendleton was came out of California and really nobody really had him high on the radar. And he came in, you know, beat uh, Ben Ashburn a couple times. Really owned Ben Ashburn in college, and because they, they're back then, you know, Missouri and OSU were in the Big Twelve, so they wrestled each other a lot. And uh, and really, he was up there as far as borderline Hodge type winner, which uh, the Hodge is like the Heisman of wrestling. Uh, he was about as good as it gets. Well, neither one of those guys anybody had any any beat on being like superstars in college. And they came to John Smith and John Smith made them into that. And I think for a couple of years, it was almost like they kind of viewed it whereas, well, we did it with those guys. We can make anybody into the best 
wrestler in the country because nobody thought Johnny Thompson was going to do it. Nobody thought Chris Pendleton was going to do it. And, and we did it with them. And there's, that's, I mean, I think a piece of it, I mean, there, there's a whole, again, I could go a million different directions with this answer, but, but, but they didn't really do, they, they just kind of didn't recruit that well for a long time. And I think part of it's bigger scale things like Oklahoma state really hasn't invested in the wrestling room. Their facilities are a little bit down compared to what they really need to be compared to Iowa and Penn state and some of those other programs, but just overall recruiting wasn't that good. Recruiting has improved a lot in the last couple of years. They did some changes on their staff. They, uh, you know, and uh, hired Tyler Caldwell, which now he's the recruiting coordinator and they've got guys in that they got, a true freshman that was a national champion in AJ Ferrari. They got Dustin Plott, who was injured last year, um, but uh, this year undefeated on the season and, and looks really good so far. And Dustin Plott was the number two recruit in that class behind uh, behind AJ. Um, so the the thing that Penn, that Kale Sanderson essentially did, and I think Kale Sanderson's the biggest catalyst to why OSU hasn't won a national title in so long, is because he came in at Penn State and most people, a lot of people know, but Pennsylvania is really, really good recruiting grounds as far as wrestling goes. So when he came in there, he, you know, was able to pull in Pennsylvania kids, which, which is a big advantage, but also he's basically able to recruit anybody because he was kind of the superstar of the sport um, that, that most of these kids, you know, see and, and view as, as, as such a great thing. And they grew up watching him. And so they all gravitate to him. And of course he keeps winning. And so they keep wanting to go there. But anyway, um, even with all that said, OSU kind of has done a lot of really good recruiting lately. Part Partially that's tied to Oklahoma kids and even Texas kids with Ferrari getting a little better at wrestling and, and having these like elite recruits coming out of uh, programs that are nearby Oklahoma state. So OSU's been able to kind of haul these kids in because they're they're not far away and they're getting produced in Tuttle, Oklahoma and Allen, Texas. And, uh, you know, that's where all these guys are coming from. Stillwater, Oklahoma. There's a, there's a kid, uh, one of the true freshman starters this year is from Stillwater. So right now, OSU has five starters that are freshmen. Again, we talked about the COVID year, but A.J. Ferrari is technically still a freshman. Luke Serber's technically – he's a heavy – Luke Serber's a heavyweight. He's technically still a freshman. Uh, 174, Dustin Plott's technically still a freshman. And uh, 141, uh, uh, Carter Young is a true freshman. Uh, and then uh, 125, uh, Trevor Master Giovanni is, is a freshman with the COVID year. And, like, every single one of those kids, Serber's – kind of settling in a heavyweight. So I don't know that he could be an All-American this year. But Serber, uh, but Master Giovanni, um, Plot, and Ferrari, of course, all three look like they'll be um, national – or they'll be at least All-Americans and, and could finish really high at the NCAA tournament this year. And so you got to build off of them and continue to kind of make them jump levels. Of course, Ferrari just needs to stay at his level. And you got Dayton Fix, who can come back for a couple of years. So I think in the next couple of years, they'll have a shot. Iowa graduates a bunch of people next year. Penn State graduates a few. Um, and so it, it'll, it starts getting more realistic where you should, we should, as Oklahoma State fans, you should look at it and go, okay, well, they should have a shot here. 
if they're not doing it, John Smith's doing something wrong because now he's got guys in the room with the town to win something or to win a national title. So, it, 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 but I think just there was such a, a lack of a focus on recruiting um, for so many years. And maybe just, again, they made some staff changes. So maybe just the old coaches didn't necessarily put as much into it. I, I, don't, I don't know exactly how it all played out and why they, what created that. But, um, but anyway, they, they, they just didn't recruit very well for a while. They retooled the staff. Caldwell's done a great job. And they've got a, a really, really young team um, that should be really good the next couple of years and, and at least have a shot stealing one or two. I'm not saying they're going to go on that four straight run uh, that you're talking about that happened, of course, when you were in college. But um, but but they, they should be solved the next couple of years. And, again, some of it depends on Ferrari being healthy and how he comes out of this deal. Uh, but they got a young team. They, they keep recruiting really well. Um, they keep bringing in really high level kids. And uh, if they can keep doing that for the next few years, they'll, they'll have a real shot at winning a couple titles. But well, you laid it this out year, this year. We're probably looking at third. So, just uh, so well, you laid it out pretty, pretty well. And I, I think it makes a lot of sense because you mentioned Johnny Thompson and, and, and Pendleton. I, I kind of had forgotten as I was I was looking it up while you were talking. I mean, they got they got Jake Rochelle to win a national title as a true freshman as the 10 seed. So they had a lot of things go right with some guys they weren't really expecting to be up there with Johnny Thompson, Chris Pendleton, and even a freshman, Jake Rochold, who, who went on to win more than one. So that's a great way to, to, to kind of put some perspective on that, that four-year run. That's not normal with some of the things that, that happened with them. But I've noticed through your coverage of pistols firing, the recruiting has seen a big uptick. So that is certainly exciting with all the, the young guys you mentioned that are already on the roster and certainly ones they're, they're still recruiting. And again, hopefully... AJ Ferrari's okay. We're glad he's alive. We're glad everyone in the crash was was alive today, and they were all wearing their seatbelts, which is obviously important. So thankfully, they're all okay. And and Seth, I appreciate your time. You got anything else before we get out of here? No, man. I appreciate you having me on, Carson. Thanks, man. Yep. You can follow Seth. What's your uh, Twitter handle? At Seth underscore Duckworth. That's it, man. Follow him on Twitter. And, Best follow and, in the sport of wrestling. <laughs> Thanks, man. Uh, Seth, appreciate your time, man. Have a great rest of your week, and uh, hopefully we'll be uh, – I might have you on if uh, after the, uh, the, the the bout at the ballpark. We'll have to get a recap from you. Gotcha. Yeah, sounds good, man. All right, man. Take care. See you.